This morning you may notice that you have a piece of paper for notes with lines on them. I'd already done the sermon and had run it off. Actually, I didn't run it off. Georgina, a wonderful secretary, did that. And it was already duplicated and run off and stacked up, what, on Thursday, I think it was. Correct, Georgina? We did that on Thursday. And then Friday, the Lord began to say, you need to change some things. (laughs) And you know what my disposition is? Now, I felt that I was being led by the Holy Spirit all these days and hours to produce what this is. It's finished. Now you're going to tell me this is what we need to do. Why couldn't you have told me whatever? But it's always an exercise in two things or three things. Hearing from God and doing what he says. Was I led by the Holy Spirit in the beginning? Yes. Does God have the prerogative to change things? Yes. And so this morning, rather than giving you some notes that are somewhat close to what I had in the original, but have several changes in them, and you're trying to look around and figure it out and ask your neighbor, what's going on? Where are we? We just have lines there. Um, Just take notes, if you would. And I do ask you to take notes because I know it's important for us to hear from God as we take notes and to remind ourselves of what God is saying. We're in the vital signs Many series, I suppose. You remember last week, Pastor Keith told us that the Holy Spirit is the the heart of the Christian life. He is the one, Holy Spirit is the one who pumps the life of God through us. And so he discussed that. This morning, what we're going to talk about is the centrality and the necessity of the ministry of the Spirit, the person and ministry of the Spirit in fulfilling God's purpose for saving us. So we have the Spirit's ministry in us to birth us into the kingdom of God. Remember, Jesus talked about that in John chapter 3. You must be born again. And so there are two things about that I would mention this morning. Being born again is the final exam. It's not only on the final exam. You remember when you were in school and the teacher said, this is going to be on the final exam. And how much did that change your enthusiasm to take notes and study? You can forget everything else. Do you remember this? Tell us what's on the final. What was the deal there? Well, two. First of all, I want to make sure I have the right study area. And secondly, I want to make sure I don't have to waste my time on all that other stuff. Now, were you like I am? Is that kind of like how we all were? I want to make a differentiation. Jesus says being born again is not only on the final exam, it is the final exam. So when every one of us stand before this God on the day of judgment, there's only one issue pertaining to entering the kingdom of God. And that is, have you been born again? Let me read to you from Ezekiel 36. We're familiar with these verses that describe a little bit about being born again because Jesus was referencing these. And Ezekiel 36 verse 26 says this, I will give you a new heart. Remember we said, Keith said, the the Holy Spirit is the heart of the Christian life. I'm going to give you a new heart and I'm going to a new spirit I will put in you. I will remove the heart of stone from you and flesh and from your flesh and I will give you a new heart. He gives us a new heart and that new heart that we have been given is the Holy Spirit himself. 
He's not talking about giving us something. He's talking about giving us someone. And so we have a new heart if we're in Christ, if we're saved. We have a new heart. We are new people. And so we all can say, I have a new spiritual heart. That heart has a name. It is the spirit of Jesus himself who lives in me. I have, you have, not a way of life, not a set of doctrines, not an ethical program. We have a person living in us. The third person, if you would, of the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. These three distinct, divine, eternal being uh, persons of the one being of God. We have the Holy Spirit himself. We have a person living in us. We are relating now to a person on the inside as he speaks to us, as he gives us commands, as he shares with us, as he instructs us, as he gives us directions, as he uh, corrects us and provides for us and etc etc this is a living real person we have in us so let's make sure that we get it right our christian life is now our life by the spirit so that in each one of us God has put a person in us now you may have never thought about it that way but if you haven't then you have disallowed to some extent the empowerment and your acknowledgement of and dependence upon and looking to the Holy Spirit. So it's not I have God with me and he's walking alongside of me and I have a companion, the Holy Spirit is holding my hand. It's much better than that. He's living inside and that's that new heart, this new life. Why? What is the purpose of God in this? Well, Romans 8, 29 tells us we have been predestined. We have been before the foundation of the world in God's mind and purpose, a people whom God would save by his spirits, applying the atoning work of Jesus on the cross, that by applying that to my life and to your life, bringing us into a personal relationship with God. Now God himself by the spirit lives in me for what purpose? That God may have a communion with his people as he is conforming us day by day, walk by walk, breath by breath, word by word, precept by precept, etc. We are being conformed to the image of God's son. Very important to see, 829 of Romans, we are being conformed to the image of God's Son. Now, this can only be done by the Holy Spirit. This is the emphasis, you remember, that Jesus gave on to the disciples when he was about ready to be taken up into heaven. In Acts 1.8, the Lord says this to the disciples, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses throughout the world. So we have been saved by the work of the Holy Spirit, applying the redemption price of Christ in order to become empowered by the Spirit to be witnesses of Jesus. That's our purpose. That's God's purpose, that he would display to all creation what his son looks like, 
not only in this risen man, but in his people upon the earth until the day of resurrection. Now, I'm going to put it the way Joe Calabello put it at the retreat. He spoke to the married men yesterday. A wonderful, wonderful presentation. By the way, how many married men do we have here this morning? If you're married, raise your hands. How many men? Okay. Let me encourage you, since you did not go to the retreat, that you would go online or whatever you do, however it happens. I don't know all the details of that. And listen to these presentations, but especially to the breakout session yesterday morning by Joe Calabaro. Listen to that. Listen to it. And so Joe put it this way. God has given us his spirit so that we would be Jesus to the world. Now that's impacting. That we would be Jesus to the world. Now think how that is and think what that would mean for you What would it mean for you to experience in a friend, relative, husband, wife, the very person of Jesus himself? What what does it mean to us that God has so saved us and has given us such an awesome joyful privilege of being his own son to the world. You see, it's not that we're saying something about Jesus. We are. But we are Christ living in us by his spirit. We are literally communicating the very person of Jesus to other people and to one another. Now, that's a challenge to me because Joe asked this, who is the most important Christian you know other than Jesus? We know that. And, you know, it should be, for instance, for the wives, their husbands. For the husbands, his wife. We shouldn't have to look to the big names and the persons with titles. We should be able to look into the face of the person with whom we live or with whom we relate and say, I have experienced the person and the ministry of Jesus himself in you, in you. Listen to what Jesus says to the disciples, John 14, 12. I tell you the truth, anyone who has faith in me will do what I am doing. And he will do even greater things than these because I go to my father. So he's not just giving us works to do. We have a person living in us who is reproducing in us and through us this very Son of God, Son of Man. I remember years ago, we used to have a husband and wife couple in the church. Some of you will remember them, Leroy and Anna 
Remember Leroy and Anna? Lovely, lovely couple. And Leroy was dying of cancer. And so I drove out to Laplace out there. And I've never experienced this before. And, and I, this is, I don't want you to be laughing when you hear this. But I want you to think about what's going on here. And so when I came to the front door of the house, one of his daughters met me. And she called back to the rest of the house. Pastor Peter's here. And then I could hear, Pastor Peter's here. Pastor Peter's here. Pastor Peter's here. And Anna and some of the others ran up to the front door. We're so glad to see you. Whom were they glad to see? You tell me. Not this man. They were glad to experience Jesus through this man. Pastor Peter's here. There's hope. There's ministry. And I know I take a chance in saying this that some of you will misconstrue this and hopefully you won't. Is that's what's happening in our relationships with one another. That not only do we see a person coming, but we see more than this person. We see and anticipate and are overjoyed with this is Jesus coming in this person. I'm going to experience the ministry and the care and the love and the compassion, the healing of the Lord Jesus himself. See, this is what God wants of the church. Because Jesus, as we all know, was and still is and will always be the most powerfully effective man who ever lived, changing the hearts and minds of people's souls forever. Amen. So we had the same spirit. Romans 5, 5 said that God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given us. And so if you are born again, you have the same spirit who dwelt in the Lord Jesus himself. Can we get a hold of that? I as a saved man, you as saved people. We don't have less of the Spirit or part of the Spirit. We have the same Spirit who raised up Jesus Christ from the dead. God has now poured out upon us his same Spirit. For what purpose? To be witnesses of Jesus. In other words, to be people who are containers of the very person of Christ. So that in any and every aspect of our lives, publicly, privately, thoughts, words, and deeds, Jesus himself 
is being displayed and ministering as if he were here physically with us. And we're called to do the same works. What, what, what did Jesus do? Everything that Jesus did was by the Spirit. Can you get this? I mean, this really tackles my mind. Every decision that Jesus ever made was what? Being led by the Spirit. Every thought that Jesus had was under the guidance and leadership of the Spirit. Every word that Jesus ever uttered were the words of his Father given to him by the Spirit. Every place that Jesus went was according to the decree and the love of God the Father as revealed to him by the Spirit. This is the kind of life for which God has saved us at the price of the death of the Son of God. You see, this is not optional. This is what God desires of all of us. It's not just a few who attain a certain spiritual level and become preachers or special people in the kingdom. It's for anyone and everyone who is a member of the kingdom of God. No distinction in the centrality and the necessity of the Holy Spirit. What did Jesus do? He resisted the devil by the Spirit. He ministered to people's needs. How? You may say it. By the Spirit. He cast out demons. How? I mean, do I need to turn up my hearing aid so I can hear you? He cast out demons. How? Be bold by the Spirit. Be bold, church, by the Spirit. He fed thousands. How? Yes. He raised the dead. How? He loved and served God's people. How? He taught God's word. How? By the Spirit. Is there anything that Jesus did, said, or thought that was not by the Spirit? No. And as a consequence, we are here today because there was a man on earth who was absolutely controlled, infused with, being led by, obedient to God's Spirit. Therefore, we are here today because of that. That's the reason we're here today. Not because Jesus came out of heaven and took to himself our humanity and then he just is going to do the best he can and I'm going to live the best way I can and I'm going to make this thing work. No, he emptied himself of all of his divine prerogatives as the son of God and he lived as every one of us must live by the Spirit. What is, what is an example? Do you remember in Acts 3.8? Peter and John are going to the temple. Remember that? 
And as they're coming to the gate, beautiful, the beautiful gate into the temple, there's a crippled man. And what does he say? He's looking for money. Do you have any, you have a dollar? You have a dime? You have a quarter? Today's world is $50 because of inflation. You know, you understand that, of course. But, and Peter and John turned to him and said, what? Silver and gold have we none. But such as we have, give I to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. These men, Peter and John and the others, but these men were literally being Jesus to this man. Jesus is the one who commanded cripples to walk. Jesus is the one who walked on water. Jesus is the one who raised the dead. Jesus is the one who opposed the evil one and cast out demons. Jesus did this, and all of a sudden, his disciples are doing the same stuff. What was the result? Remember verse 8? We used to sing this. If I'd have remembered and thought about it early enough, I'd have had you up here on the piano. Can you still play it? We don't have enough time, I'm sure. I'm talking to my wife. She's a piano player. Say, who in the world is he talking to? What was the result? What is the result of us meeting Jesus? He went walking and leaping and praising God. Walking and leaping and praising God. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, arise up and walk. Now you see why I'm not in a choir. But, you, but he went walking and leaping and praising God. How many of us, when we met Jesus, went walking and leaping and praising God? This is what we need. And this is what we have for the world of God's people out there. Only Jesus does this. And he does it in us and then through us by his spirit. Later on in Acts 4, John and Peter were rebuked by the leadership. Man, the devil doesn't like this. And when the leaders saw John and Peter like that, they said, when they saw the courage of Peter and John, their boldness, their extremeness, ooh, these people are extreme. These people are not like everybody else. They realized that they were unschooled and ordinary men, but they were astonished because they had note that these men had been with Jesus. You see, they saw Jesus in these men. Do people see and experience Jesus in us, or is there too much flesh and worldliness in our lives for them to see? Are we masking his presence? I've shared this with some folks from time to time in the office. Perhaps I've shared it here, and I don't mind sharing it ever. If you were to ask me, old man, by the way, my tag at the conference, 
Eric put on it, old man. I don't have any idea why he did that. But one person did say when he saw the tag, he says, I understand why they put that on there. <laughs> I got his name and I crossed him off my friendship list. <laughs> I told him, I said, and then he realized what he said. You know how you say something and then you realize what you said? Hmm? And you're like, I do that constantly. I say something and then I realize it later. Or my wife tells me later what it was that I really said. And then I think, uh-oh. Ah, there it goes again. This is just something that happens. It, it's what happens, and you'll understand this, Linda, when the polygrip doesn't work right, huh? You know, Linda Pratt will understand that. It's a struggle putting your teeth in the right way. And I've been, I've been asked this, but I, I will always say it. If you were to ask me, what is my greatest fear? I have one overriding great fear i really mean this it isn't that i'm not afraid to die i'm sure I, I am but that's not something i am concerned about you know i don't think about it i'm typical of thinking about all the little things in life what about that what about but it's not these are not consuming overriding there's one fear that i have and that is experiencing either the diminishing or the withdrawal of the anointing of the Holy Spirit in me. I can't go without that. See, I can survive the death of my wife. I can survive the death of my daughter. I can even survive the death of my four grandchildren. And I can live through that. I can get through it. How many of us have gotten through the death of loved ones in here? How many of us have? Come on. Yes. I can't make it through the anointing departing. I can't make it. I'm more than dead. This, to me, is the most consuming and important issue in my life. This issue of the anointing of the Holy Spirit is what God uses in me regularly to keep me on his path, to keep me obedient, to correct me, to adjust me, to encourage me. This is the issue in me that God uses. Now, some of you may say, well, God's not doing a good job. Well, I don't know, but this is the issue. I'm a human being. Some of you may have trouble in believing that, but I'm a human being. Human being, human being. And like all human males, Mo, we have struggles, don't we, brother? Hmm? We have struggles, right? Tony, we have struggles, don't we? Right? You have struggles? Yeah. Everybody look at me. Oh, don't call me. Don't call me. I'm looking up there. Everybody kind of looking around. Al, we have struggles, don't we? Ladies, do you have struggles? There's only one thing that God has used in my life to deal with, overcome, and to keep me, not from sinning, but even when I do, to quickly, quickly, quickly acknowledge it and ask for the power of repentance. 
is that he would touch in any way the anointing of his spirit in me. One of the greatest weaknesses I see in this church, I'm not in other churches. Sometimes we say, well, you should say every church. I'm not in those churches. I don't know. I can imagine it's the same thing, but I don't know. But I know in this church, one of the greatest weaknesses, and I have to fight it just like everyone else, is the propensity for us to give empowerment and significance to anything or anyone else other than the voice or the leading of God's spirit. I'm going to say this with taking a chance, but that's just what happens. I would hope that this room had no men in it today. Why? Because of the retreat. Because God has set before the men of this church, all oh, the ladies at their retreat, or on Sunday mornings, or at other venues, God has set before us the most awesome and incredible opportunity of sitting with our Heavenly Father to receive of him in ways that he will not give us of himself anywhere else or in any other venue. So don't just depend upon getting the tape. I've said it before and a lot of folks didn't say it like it, but I'll say it again. I sometimes wish we weren't taping anything in this church. So no one could use the excuse, I'll just listen to it, and you have to come in here to receive of the holy ministry of our God because there's something unique what the Holy Spirit does when, when we are collected together. Now, I understand there's some folks who can't come. I, I got that. I have all that. But given except for those obvious reasons, obvious reasons. So here's the issue. Whether it's men's retreat, ladies' retreat, whether it's coming on Sunday morning, whether it's covenant group ministry, whatever it is. If you have a family whom you dearly love, you dearly love these kids and grandkids, and you prepare a meal for them, and you've been working and working, and then you send out an invitation to them, and only 30% of them come, and then one tells, well, but we went out last night and did this. Oh, well, that happened. How does it make you feel? How many of you would be happy about that? It's like, oh, oh. See, it's the heart of God that is being dealt with here. And so the real question is, rather than giving in to all of these things, I'm too busy. I had to do this. A common one among men is I have to work. There was a fellow in the Bible study years ago, Scott. Remember Scott? 
And he stopped coming to Bible study on Wednesday night. And I asked him, Scott, what's happened? He said, well, I can't come anymore. Now, when you say you can't come, my ears do. I can't come anymore. Why not? I have a job that starts at 5 o'clock and I, I can't come. Now, how many of you understand normally and naturally? That's a good reason not to come, right? I mean, okay. I'm not going with that. I'm going to challenge it. I will never go with something that keeps people away from being blessed by God. And the day I do, you want to put me out of the church. I'm always going to challenge. Why? Because our God is greater and worth it. Amen. We have been saved by this God. And I said, Scott, have you prayed and asked the Holy Spirit to make a way? He says to me, I never thought of that. There's one of the linchpins where we're missing the Holy Spirit. Ask, seek, knock. To those who ask, it will be what? Given. To those who seek, they will find. And to those who knock, it will be open. (gasps) Yeah, but that would take a miracle. (gasps) You see, Jesus who created the heavens and the earth, Jesus who opened the seas, Jesus who rebuked the winds and the waves, Jesus who walked on water, Jesus who opened blind eyes and gave strength to crippled bodies, Jesus who raised the dead, Jesus who became our atoning lamb for the sin that we had done, taking it upon himself so that we could have eternal life. This one simply doesn't have the power to make my boss change his mind. Or to challenge me to say, is it more important for you to go out to do that thing or do you think my presence and my word and my people are more important than that thing that you're going to do to miss whatever? Come on, folks, this is real. People don't want to hear this, but oh, yeah, yeah. this is how God thinks. Do, do you understand that? Have you read your Bibles? I'll follow you, Jesus, but I've got to bury my mom and them. What does Jesus say? Oh, I understand. You'll never get an understanding from me. Not in that way. What does Jesus say? Oh, oh, well, when you finish, when you have time, when you can make it, come on. You see, because I'm so sweet and lovey. <laughs> I'm just gushy. This is the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. This is the Christ, the Son of the Living God. This is the ruler. This is the risen, reigning, returning man in the heavens. This is Jesus Christ, the Lord, that we're talking about. So Scott said, I hadn't thought of that. He says, I'm going to pray. I'm going to ask God. The next week, at about 7 or 7.15 or whatever, Scott comes into the Bible study with his work clothes on. I said, what happened? He says, I did what you said. I prayed and asked the Holy Spirit to open the door. Then I asked my boss if I could take off this hour as my lunch hour. And he said, yes. Yes. 
And as a consequence of that, God gave this man a better job and et cetera. And come on, folks. Do we really believe that this Jesus who has saved us is both not worthy of and of able to overcome all the obstacles to us being led by the Spirit? Amen. I want to be led by the Spirit. We're constantly being bombarded by anything and every excuse that the devil will give us in order to be a weakened people. How does this happen? How are we led by the Spirit? How does Jesus become manifested in us? Listen to these words in Romans 12, 1 and 2. Paul says to the church, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies. There it is. Go to God. Here I am, Father. I want to be led by your spirit. I want to be Jesus to everyone, no matter what the cost, no matter what is coming down, no matter what. I want this because this is the premier thing about my life, because this is what Jesus has died to produce in me. Present your bodies a what? Living sacrifice. And then in verse 2, he said, don't be conformed to this world, but, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Allow the Holy Spirit to begin to change our minds, affections, attitudes, etc., etc., to conform to the will of God, to conform with the character and the work and the ministry and the purpose of Jesus himself. We have to ask God and begin to submit ourselves regularly and specifically and purposefully to the will of God and ask him to do this. I have to regularly, regularly, over and over again, ask the Holy Spirit to anoint me, to conform me, to do his work in me. I can't live from day to day without that in a way that ministers the life of Christ. I can't do it. Listen to what the effect will be in Romans 8, 5 and 8. For those who live according to the flesh, that doesn't mean filthy, dirty, nasty thoughts and deeds. That means those who are giving credence to and priority to and empowerment to and effect to and manipulation to the things of this world and to what my body wants and to what I like and what I don't like and what I prefer and what I don't prefer rather than to the will of God by the spirit. So they live in flesh, set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to spirit set their minds on the things of the spirit. We set our minds. We purposefully make it our prerogative and ambition to say, I am going to be a man or a woman by the power of the spirit who sets my mind on the spirit who will be led by the spirit so that I can be more and more visibly effectively and reality I can be Jesus to the world they set their mind on to set your mind on the flesh is death now it doesn't mean here death they're going to hell he's writing to the church when we set our minds on the flesh when we give in to the things of the world when we don't ask God When we do what we prefer, 
Well, I'm moving to this neighborhood. Why? Well, because the houses are bigger and the land is nicer and I have this and that. Well, that's okay. But did you ask God? Oh, is it maybe the Holy Spirit who wants to do that? Then fine, do it. Or could it be God who wants you to stay in this little place and in that neighborhood which is deteriorating? I don't know. It's God's prerogative. But let us not be a people who assume on the Holy Spirit. That is putting your mind on the flesh. And then it creates a death. It creates ungodly stuff. It allows us to begin to spiritually deteriorate and become enervated, weakened. Because we're breathing in and drinking in and eating in the poison of that which is not of the Holy Spirit. And so we wonder why there's weakness in us. I meet regularly, as so do Keith and Evan, with folks in this church. I'm not going to ask you to do this. But if you were to raise your hand, if you've ever been in my office, a whole lot of you would raise your hands. A lot of you would raise your hands. Some of you for wonderful, wonderful reasons, but too many because life is, your, your, your life is up in flames. And there's one principal reason. You're not being led by the Spirit in the categories of your life. In a couple, yes, but in the normal or the overwhelming categories of life, we are living according to what we think is right, the world says is good, we do this, we go there. We're not, we must be a people who are being led by the Spirit. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law. It cannot. But those who are in the flesh cannot please God. So you may be, I may be pleasing myself. I may like what I'm doing, where I'm going, what I'm thinking. But what is the real question? Does God? Does God? You see, being transformed by the Spirit to be Jesus to other people means that we will be reflective of the fruit of the Spirit. You know where that is in Galatians 5, 22 to 23. Let me ask you to write that down and, and get these nine words into your mind, your heart. Am I Jesus to people. Well, allow these nine words to be a guidepost. So let me read it this way. I've changed it a little bit. For the fruit of the Spirit, the life that Jesus, that the Holy Spirit is producing in us. This is the life of Christ in me, the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is Jesus' own love, is Jesus' own joy, is Jesus' own peace. Jesus' own patience, Jesus' own kindness, Jesus' own goodness, Jesus' own faithfulness, Jesus' own gentleness, and Jesus' own self-control. How do I know when I'm being conformed, and how do I know when I am reflecting? How do I know if I'm being Jesus to the world? I look at these nine guideposts, signs. How many of us are so thankful that that list of Jesus' love, Jesus' joy, Jesus' 
peace, Jesus' patience, peace, Jesus' goodness, etc. How many of us are so glad this is how Jesus ministers to us? Therefore, to be Jesus to others, this is how we are to be to one another. You see, the real problem is, God is strange. He just doesn't understand what we feel when someone has lied about us. He doesn't understand how, what happens in our minds when we get rejected. He doesn't understand how we're tempted to look at the pretty things of this world. He just doesn't get that. <laughs> Does he? He does get it. So it has nothing to do with how difficult it is or the temptations or whatever. It has everything to do with, am I going to be a man or a woman who will, under every circumstance, notwithstanding anything to the contrary, I will be a person. It is a decision that we must make, and hopefully we can begin to make it today. Beginning today, I will be Jesus to others by the Spirit. I no longer will be who I have been. I am not satisfied with who I have been. I thank God for what he's done. But I now will begin to grow in my fellowship with God by the Spirit and be led by the Spirit and submit to the Spirit and obey the Spirit and walk with the Spirit and hear the Spirit, etc., etc. So that every day in an increasing way, I am becoming more and more Jesus to others. Because you remember what God said about his own son, and he says it about us as to our sonship, but I know he wants to say it to us about the way we live. Matthew three seventeen, you are my beloved son, in you I am well pleased. You see, a parent is pleased about the child, but may not be pleased about the child's behavior. Anybody have kids like that? You may be overly pleased, and I am pleased about my grandchildren, but that doesn't mean that I've always been pleased about everything they've ever done. But I want to be pleasing to God, not because I'm a son of God or you are a son or a daughter of God. I want to receive the Father's pleasing comments because I am being Jesus, his son to others in an increasing way. That's the pleasing of God for us. So you see, being Jesus means that we will love God and love one another with God's kind of love. With God's kind of love. And God's kind of love is a tough love. And that kind of love, how far do I take it? If I'm going to be Jesus to others, I must go all the way, as it were, to the cross. As it were, I'm not atoning for anyone's sin. I must go all the way even to death. If they insult me, persecute me, rob me. I don't like even saying this. Do you realize? I don't like saying it. You know why? I don't want to be tested by the enemy. But I know that I must say it because I know it's God's will. But deep down, is that what I want? Is that what you want more than all this other stuff? I hope so. 
See, Jesus being Jesus to the world means that I will not and you will not. We will not love God's people. We will love God's people, but we will not love the culture of the world and its practices. We are not going to love that world out there. The world says, do this, and the church says, oh, okay. The world says, say this, the church, oh, okay. I mean, come on, am I, am I being extreme here? The world says what we should have and what we shouldn't have and why we should have it and how we should have it and what's good and what's not good. Is that not what is happening in the church? Anybody awake? Am I missing something here? The world's culture is coming into the church and in a, infecting the church so much that it is becoming increasingly difficult to distinguish the people of God when you look at them out there in the world's culture. They are going places, doing things, saying things, etc., as all the world does. And we are to be a unique people. Unique people. For the glory of God. Well, brother, but you're not. Being Jesus means that we will serve one another with Jesus' kind of service. That we will obey God's ways and will no matter what the cost to our own desires. Philippians 2 eight. Jesus humbled himself in becoming obedient to the point of death, even the death on the cross. You see, we say we're God's people, remember? In Matthew chapter 7, verse 21, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, not everyone who says, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian, will enter the kingdom of God. Uh-oh. How do you know you're a Christian? Well, I receive Christ. No. That's not the basis of the knowledge. Just because I put a little seed in the ground does not mean that seed has life. How do we know that I planted something that has life in it because I put it in the ground? How do we know it? What happens? It begins to produce what? Life fruit. So Jesus said, not everybody who says to me I'm a Christian will enter the kingdom of God, but only those who do the will of my Father who is in heaven. You see, is this your undergirded burning desire? to be Jesus to other people. If it isn't, please check your spiritual heart. Don't assume, oh, I'm a believer, but don't you ever do that to yourself and to God. St. Corinthians 13, 5, Paul says, test yourself or examine yourselves to, be, to, be, to see whether you are in the faith. He says, don't take it for granted. He says, test yourself. Church, let us test ourselves. Being led by the Spirit, being Jesus to others, means that we will minister in the church and to others as Jesus did. We are increasingly experiencing a diminution. You know what diminution means? It's an English teacher's way of saying a diminishing. A diminution of workers in the church. I don't normally say volunteers. I don't like the connotation of the world put on it. God does not ask us to volunteer. He asks us to come to work in his kingdom. Amen? There no, look at the word. There's no word volunteer in that Bible. Well, I know what it means, but 
there's an increasing decrease of workers in this church, in the various ministries. Why? Considering what God has done and what he wants to do in us, we should have to be beating people away from the door of service. Well, we don't need any more in this area, Wendy, but we can use in this area. Oh, okay, thank you. Thank you for using me in any area to show Jesus and to proclaim his greatness and his glory and to give honor to God. Ah, well, you know, <laughs> church, this is critical for us. We have to have a daily, regular infusion of the Spirit in any and every category of our life, and we must regularly ask for it and seek it and want it and then receive it. That's the only way to preach the gospel is to be Jesus. This morning, the ushers are coming to give a little pamphlet out to each one of you. Now, if you don't get one, we'll get, make others, so no stampeding in here. And brothers, y'all just come on up and start giving them out as I speak. And what I did here, I recorded every reference to the Holy Spirit in the New Testament. And thanks to the technological ability of all those in the office, they put it together in a pamphlet. When you look at it, you'll know I did not do that part. I want every one of you to get a pamphlet. Because, and I want you to look at it and be impacted by one thing primarily. Now listen to me as they give them out. Listen to me as they give them out. The Holy Spirit's person and ministry, the centrality and the necessity of the Holy Spirit as proclaimed to us in the New Testament is not something implicit. It is something absolutely explicit. These men do not teach and preach and assume you understand it's by the Spirit. They regularly underpin whatever it is they are saying, whatever it is that they are doing, wherever it is that they are going with the Spirit. So Paul and his team are trying to go to, I've forgotten where it was now, Bithynia. And the Spirit of Jesus says to them, don't go that way, go this way. So I want you to look at this and see how inundating the word of God is to reveal to us the spirit, the spirit, the spirit, the spirit, the spirit. 16 pages of this. Isn't it 16? And what does this say to you? First, am I born again? If you're not born again, the Bible says, Jesus says, you're not entering the kingdom of God, period. And if you're not born again, you may want to come up after the service and find out how to be born again. Because there's no chance. It is the final exam. And if you fail the final, you don't get a certificate of graduation. But the most important thing here for those of us who have been born again is to see the critical issue. 
Are we people of by the Spirit? God has called us to be Jesus to the nations. To be Jesus to my wife, to husbands, to children, to mamas and them, to neighbors. To be Jesus in the coffee shop. Jesus when driving. That's a hard one for me. Jesus everywhere. Jesus. Jesus. Not spouting off political platitudes. I can't. I'm more and more getting to be better at this. Jesus is more and more controlling. I am hopefully having a diminishing of my opinions of the politics. Because I do not want to in any. I sit at a table in the morning at a coffee shop. And there's a bunch of people over there whose politics are very different than mine. And I have never said a word. They've asked me. And I will never comment. Why? Because I do not want them to turn their ears off to Jesus. Because they hear something in me with which they do not agree. Because that is not God out there. It is not God. It's not God out there. Look at this. Look at these pamphlets for a moment. Look at them. You can look at them, not at me. They're prettier than I am anyway. <laughs> look at them. I'm asking you to read these. Read these. Not just once maybe, but over and over. And begin to allow the Holy Spirit to begin to convict me and you of our greatest need as believers to be led by, infused by, empowered by, filled with God's Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Jesus. Let's stand, church. And let's end this service as Ben leads us by the way, what a lovely quartet up here. Amen. What a lovely quartet. As Ben leads us, let us do this as we leave today. I came in here with one attitude of understanding. I had no idea how absolutely critical and central the Holy Spirit is to everything and anything in my life. I leave here today as a believer committed to one thing being infused and led by God's spirit and I will begin to ask seek and knock so that anything and everything contrary to the direct specific leading of his spirit is kept out of my house so that my house is built out of the material of Jesus Christ himself not of rotting wood and bad materials. Amen? That's who I want to be. I pray that that's who we not only want to be, but will increasingly be as a church. Now, I will give you one thing. Be prepared to be attacked and opposed. The enemy is coming to knock on everybody's door to say, oh yeah, and you're going to have opportunities to make some tough decisions. Tough decisions of fleshly, earthly, other issues, even important issues, you have to ask the Holy Spirit. Get his mind on it. And then walk in that way. 